Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the program on this Wednesday morning. A possible shower and 25 degrees is the forecast today for Sydney, right across, in fact. Uh, wherever you've joined us on SEN, 11.70am here in Sydney, on the app, 0457736736 is my text number. Fire them in. Let's get the conversation going. A 1300-01-1170, my open line number. A special guest this morning joining me will be Joe Schmidt. The new Wallabies coach doesn't actually officially take over until the 1st of March, but has already been doing a heck of a lot of work. And we will speak to him in New Zealand. Then he'll be jumping on a plane and coming out here to go along to some pre-season matches and speak to Super Rugby coaches. So quite a bit to tick off as you could expect with Joe Schmidt, including his expectations and yours after the failed Eddie era, which is behind us now. And we've consistently said that rugby union, especially at the highest level in this game, needs to swing around at some time. Well, that time is here. I think you'll hear a lot about accountability from Joe Schmidt. He's an intense character by all reports, but intense on the field and quite amenable off the field. Um, his message to fans will be around effort. There's no doubt about that because that's what he bases a lot of his philosophy on. But I'd also like to know what do you want to see from the new look Wallabies? The Wallabies that will go out against Wales and then, of course, start to build to the big one, which is the British and Irish Lions Tour in 2025. Now, remember, he's not signed until the World Cup. The deal only goes to that British and Irish Lions tour. So we're, we're out of that four-year hope cycle. So let's just narrow it down. We know the dramas that Australian rugby has had, and we know the dramas and pressures and challenges, I reckon, that they're going to have. But when it comes to the time that the Wallabies run out on the field, what do you want to see from them? Let me know that this morning. And stay tuned as we catch up with the brand-new Wallabies coach, Joe Schmidt. Also joining us, a man with many roles in rugby league, but a lot of respect, obviously, in the game. Frank Panisi, the Melbourne Storm general manager of football. Also now the New South Wales Blues team performance manager called a little rat by Storm and Queensland star Cam Munster, a spy. What does he take back in? So we'll catch up with Frank. It's always good to chat with him on both fronts. How the Storm, how are they travelling, the Craig Bellamy question. We all know what's happening at the Storm. But then there's the New South Wales side under Madge and Frank entering this arena for the first time and what he will bring to it. We'll head up north to the Newcastle area and one of the finest reporters up there, Barry Tui, has been around a long time, knows everything inside and out in the world of the Knights in particular. We brought you the news yesterday on Adam O'Brien's reported new deal with the Newcastle Knights. I'll dig into the details and we'll catch up with Barry to see what else is happening up there. And Angus Glover from the Sydney Kings will join us this morning as well. So the Kings have the Hawks this Sunday. It's their last home match for the regular season. Now, folks, did you check out the cricket? Did you catch it? Were you interested in it? We spoke at length yesterday about the ODI series, this one in particular, and its place on the cricket calendar. I've got to tell you what unfolded last night at Monica Oval didn't help the cause, unfortunately. And you know my feelings about one day international cricket. I love it. I still get it. I think they can tweak it. I know that it's very difficult to do that. And Australia can only play who's in front of them. 
And what they did was demolish the team in front of them who were embarrassing at times yesterday. The West Indies all out for 86. 24.1 overs. Xavier Bartlett, the star again with four for 21. What we're doing here is unearthing these superstars, you'd have to say, of the future in Xavier Bartlett and, of course, Jake Fraser-McGurk. So the 18 balls that Jake Fraser-McGurk faced, I, I don't know how much the tickets were last night, but at least if I got that, I would feel like I got some value for money. That was one of the key parts that I saw yesterday as I was in and out, but I sat down and managed to watch his whole thing. And in fact, I said to my wife, just come and have a look at this guy because he's something special. And he delivered. So Australia end up two for 87 in 6.5 overs. The whole thing's done and dusted. The day-night match didn't even go into the night. So the records are Australia's fastest ODI run chase in history, which passes their previous mark of 7.5 overs against the USA back in 2004. The Windies lost 6 for 15. It's their second lowest score ever in one day as against Australia. It's the Aussies' 12th ODI win in a row. Now, their record is 21. But here are the damning numbers out of all of this. Because that whole thing last night, yesterday, was over in 186 balls. That's 54 balls less than a full T20 match. So if a T20 rolled out there yesterday, we're talking 54 balls less than the 240 balls it would have taken to complete a T20 match. And you know how many balls were left on the table? 259. They could have played an entire T20 match after it and still had room to spare. They're the damning numbers especially if you're paying for a ticket to go there, a subscription, all of that stuff. We talk about ball in play, value for money, bang for buck, everything like that. None of it came the way of the Australian cricket fan last night, aside from, I dare say, a great performance by Australia in the field. There were some good runouts, but the Windies were all over the shop. Great bowling by Xavier Bartlett and some crack hitting from Jake Fraser-McGurk. And I was sitting there going, well, what else could you do? Yesterday, we posed the question, what else could you do to make ODIs more appealing? What else would you want if you're sitting there yesterday at Monica Oval? Would you want the Aussies to... You know what I would have liked? Send Jake Fraser-McGurk back out there and let's do a six-hitting competition. Let's take a bag of balls out there, for instance, and hit them into the crowd. And as so many people have said to me on this program... Maybe cricket could hand over the ball once it goes into the crowd. Let's do some sort of all-stars game. Something to keep them going. Because unfortunately, it didn't even go half the distance. A real bummer, i got to say, at the wrong time for international ODI or one-day international cricket. Meanwhile, Ricky Ponding has locked uh, himself in to coach the Washington Freedom in the Major League 2020 competition in the USA. That's later this year. He'll take over from Greg Shippard, who's a good close mate of his. And now Steve Smith and Travis Head have been mentioned as signings for the Freedom. What does it mean? It means that there's some heavy-hitting star power now going to an American T20 league. The franchise leagues just keep popping up and popping up. I spoke to Ricky on this program just a handful of days ago and asked him about that. Here's what he had to say a week ago. 
Yeah, there have been some discussions. We're not there yet. I mean, I've, I, haven't, I haven't committed to anything just yet. And I've had some initial discussions. Um, you know, the time of the year sort of fits in okay for me, but I've got a really hectic off-season again. Well, when I say off-season, there's no, <laughs> no such thing as an off-season for, for cricketers anymore. I mean, I've, I've finished now. I've got a, a few weeks now for the IPL. The IPL sort of rolls into the T20 World Cup and then MLC is immediately after the, the T20 World Cup. So it's yeah. um, potentially another another big year of, uh, of time away if I want it. So they're the things I've just to um, work through, you know, from if I'm actually going to be commentating the T20 World Cup or not, and then, you know, if, if I'm not doing that, you know, where does MLC fit in? But, you know, I, I love I love the coaching side of it. I think everyone knows that I've really enjoyed the time that I've had at the IPL over the last six or seven years, and I've, I've been able to help out around the Aussie team on a couple of tours, you know, when Justin was coached. So, um, you know, the game's in my blood, and I love working with the best players in the world and trying to find a way to make them better and, and winning some games along the way. Where does MLC fit? Major League Cricket fit? That was the question that Ricky sort of threw up there. Well, we know now because he is locked in. So we got a, a little taste of what he was thinking, but he loves coaching. And it's an eye, again, to franchise cricket. Perhaps that's the kind of stuff that will eventually, as we know, squeeze out ODIs. Steve's on the line. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy uh, has given us a call this morning on the one day. G'day, Steve. G'day, Matty. How are you travelling? Excellent, mate. Excellent. What did you think from yesterday? Um, besides, besides Joe Public getting gypped, I think the biggest person that got gypped is the bloke that runs the food stalls there. There's probably 10,000 pies going to get thrown out because there was no one there to eat dinner because they were all gone. <laughs> but why couldn't, they, why couldn't they do a T20? Like, I, you know I'm a small businessman. But for that amount of food that now can't get used because there's probably nothing on in Canberra for the next week or so, the chips that are frosted, the pies that are frosted, um, it's just a huge waste. They, they could have put a, a T20 on or something, surely. Well, I mean, they could have. Yeah, look, I, I'm not going to point any fingers here at, at the, the blame of, you know, the Australian Cricket Australia or anything like that. It's more a reflection, don't you reckon, Steve, on where... ODIs are at probably more a reflection on where the Windies are at. They've had, they've had signs of, you know, fight throughout this Australian summer, but when something like that happens at a, at exactly the same time that everyone's talking about the Windies, everyone's talking about ODIs and where they sit, it's it's the worst possible timing. I mean, you can't sit around. Perhaps you can tell me if I'm wrong, because it's very hard to sit around. I'm saying, if you're Cricket Australia and go, okay, what happens if this finishes early? I mean, would you would you count on the thing finishing after 186 balls? Would you count on the thing having enough time after it to play a full T20? Not sure. Well, I think, that, uh, to, to me, the answer is simple. And in the playing conditions or whatever, the agreement before the team comes out, you just have, a, you just have an inbuilt contingency that if this does happen, and there's every chance it can happen on any day, Australia might have been rolled for 86. It was a wet track, you know, um, that you have to go out and you have to give something to the people that are paying their money. Put a T20 on, do something. I don't know that it's that hard to roll into, like, the agenda. Yeah. All right. Well, contingency, you might have to think about it more and more um, as the Windies try and get back up on their feet. Good on you, Steve. Thank you for that. John in Harrington Park with your thoughts on the ODI yesterday. Go for it, John. You're on. Hey, God, sorry. G'day, mate. How are you going? 
you probably good, blame Steve Smith in a way. He, he won the toss and then elects to bowl. If he bats first, goes for <laughs> at least a minute and 50 overs. Yeah. yeah <laughs> but, you, you know, you've got to play. You can only play what's in front of you, right? That That's that's it in a nutshell. So I'm wondering now, again, I, I think it's very hard to point the finger of blame here at anyone in particular because things happen like this in sport. I mean, I was at the SCG, was it last year when the Thunder were bowled out for 15? I mean, it was it was all over in a flash. It was a catastrophe. So uh, I just don't know how you can bank for this. But when you look at it in terms of what's happening around the discussion of the Windies and One Day Internationals in particular, you know, it's an absolute kick in the guts to the game at the wrong time. It will lead to the kind of discussion that we're having this morning, which is where do, o- where do ODIs again sit in the cricket landscape? And and perhaps they are what they are, but I just wonder if you now need to start thinking outside of the square, especially when things like that happened last night. Yeah, it's probably true. Matt, that's another reason why I don't subscribe to the, the boxes because you can never fight the over in the first round. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, I mean, people people dig that as well, don't they? That's the interesting thing. Thank you, John. Got a run. Appreciate your call. Give us a buzz, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Happy to continue that discussion this morning. But the fact of the matter is that the Australians wiped the floor with the West Indies last night, which is great. That's exactly what we want. We want to see dominant Australian performances. We want to see them win. Um, They put all their effort into it. We'll never, ever take away the effort of an Australian player who is in search of victory. And they ticked all of those boxes. For the game, it's a different argument. There were 259 balls left out there, which is more than a T20 match in its entirety. A lot of rugby league for us to talk about. We'll get to that soon. Also, I want to mention this morning where we're at with the supercars situation. I know I've got a lot of supercars listeners and we've been touching on the fact that Brody Kostecki won't be driving in the opening round of the Supercars Championship. And he's the defending champ after a, a split with Erebus Motorsport or a drama at the moment with Erebus Motorsport. I'll tell you this. He's not going back to Erebus. It, it won't be happening. And I'll also tell you this, that Supercars are trying to manage this as best as they can. And I guess that's their responsibility as the governing body of this championship, but this is a team issue. This is a driver who does not want to be at that team. He's still got a contract, and as far as I can understand, this driver does not want to be at that team anymore. Where this will end up, maybe in the courts. Can they work it out? Highly unlikely. And unfortunately, the problem now lands in the lap of supercars itself and CEO Shane Howard has released an open letter to supercars the supercars community and goes on to say there's been commentary on this matter some of it's been disappointing we urge everyone to approach this situation with understanding and empathy and patience it deserves but then Shane says the circumstances at hand are ultimately a matter between the owners and management of Erebus Motorsport and their contracted driver Brody Kostecki He's contracted to turn up and drive the car this year. He doesn't want to do it. It's as simple as that. The reasons are between driver and team. And they can massage it and try and manage it all they like. 
But the biggest thing, as I've constantly said, is that the championship's going to start without the defending champion in it. And there's a very big chance the defending champ won't be on the grid at all in 2024. So that's where it's at. Where it goes to, nobody knows. But I'd be tipping legally um, is probably the biggest direction that it's headed right now. It's up to supercars maybe to step in, perhaps, and get a bit iron-fisted on this one and say, you guys need to sort this out big time. And I know that there's been a bit of that going on behind the scenes, but that's where it's at at the moment. 0457 736 736 is my text line. 1300 011170 is my open line. We're just scratching the surface this morning on the issues of world sport. We'll get to your calls, your texts after this. And don't forget, my special guest today, Joe Schmidt, the incoming Wallabies coach joining us right here on the morning pro program. It's 25 past nine on 1170 AM here in Sydney. Thanks for your company on this Wednesday morning. Frank Panisi from the Melbourne Storm will be joining me in about 10 minutes time. And also Joe Schmidt, the new Wallabies coach, will be on the program this morning. Some news out of America that's really interesting. Won't have an effect here yet, but one worthwhile to have a little look at and keep an eye on. And it's about streaming and sports because the three biggest players in America, Fox, Warner Brothers Discovery and Disney, are all getting together to launch a joint venture, a three-way joint venture that will put all of their sports programming essentially on the one app, on a new standalone app. So you're talking ESPN, TNT, Fox Sports over there, everything that you can imagine covering NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, National Hockey League, top college divisions, the lot will go into one app. So this is huge and will have an impact further down the line as to how other parts of the world look at their streaming services. Now, I've told you that streaming's the major player going forward and this will be a breakthrough in that world of, of everybody coming together. I mean, there was never a day where you could see Fox breaking away and wanting to put everything onto streaming. There was never a day that you could see Disney and Warner Brothers and Fox all jumping into bed together and providing the one app. But they're heralding it from the highest of uh, positions. All the CEOs are trumpeting this one and it will shake up the world of TV sports, without a doubt. Pricing will be announced at a later date, but essentially what's happening in America is that you'll be able to go to one app, one streaming service, and have all of the sports that all of the big players own right now under a single broadband roof, they're calling it. So we'll keep our eyes on that one. 0457 736 736. Western Sydney Eagles says the Brody situation is very similar to what happened years ago with Shane Van Gisbergen and the, Shane, the same team. Yeah, look, I was around at that time. I, I remember having the discussions there and the, the team... There was also a different car involved. You'll remember the Mercedes was involved into that. So um, Shane Van Gisbergen's had his say on this in supercars. But as you know, Western Sydney Eagle, we try and narrow it down to, to what the reality is of this whole situation. There's a lot of emotion around it. Scotty McLaughlin's had his say as well. And as Shane Howard, the supercar CEO, has said, there's been a lot of commentary about it because there are big players behind the scenes as well. But the reality of this situation, as I understand it, is Brody's not getting on with the team. And in particular, not getting on with the team boss. 
and I'm not talking about Betty Clemenko. So Betty Clemenko owns Erebus Motorsport, and the reality of her situation is she could purchase the grid. That's how wealthy Betty Clemenko is. So she'd be trying to manage this one internally, and for me, it comes down to a question of does she want her team principal to stay or does she want her driver to stay? And at the moment, the driver's not there. Here's another interesting one that was pointed out to me. So they're going to roll out in testing and they're using the car number one because Brody Kostecki won the championship last year. Now, weirdly enough, in the rules of play, the number one in motorsport, in supercars especially, because I've read the rules, goes with the driver. So the replacement driver can jump into the championship winning car, but he can't have number one on the door. And at the moment, they've got number one. Just one of those weird asides that's popped out of this one. Matty, do you really think the West Indies would want to go out and play again after being embarrassed like last night? Good point, Darren. A um, couple of things. No, they wouldn't. And secondly, it wasn't last night. They were embarrassed yesterday afternoon. We didn't get to night time, unfortunately. Let's go to the news. Frank Panisi from the Melbourne Storm will be joining me soon. Thank you, Vanessa. Always great to catch up with my next guest from the Melbourne Storm. Frank Panisi, the general manager of football, joins us. Morning, Frank. Good morning, Matty. How are you? I'm good, thanks, mate. Getting ready for another big year. Um, and there's a lot of top-line stuff to talk to you about, obviously, from, from coach to even the New South Wales Blues. But can I start by getting into the nitty-gritty of something that's not touched on a lot at your club? Because for the first time in your 25-year history, you're going to have teams in Harold Matz, SG Ball, Jersey Flag in the New South Wales competitions, which is a great achievement in itself, but also a big pathway for Victorian players. That's correct, Matty. Uh, look, that pathways is an area that we're spending a considerable amount of time um, over the next few years. We've identified that to remain uh, strong in, in the NRL and, and continue uh, the legacy that we've built over the last 25 years, we, we need to build our pathways. Uh, when the national youth competition, the under-20s, as it was known, uh, stopped after, after the 2017 season. We've just noticed that the amount of players that, that we've brought to the club and, and come through as young players has uh, dried up a bit. So we've gone heavy in, into the pathways, into the New South Wales Rugby League competition. So, uh, yeah, last weekend was the first time we had a Harold Matthews and uh, and an SG Ball as the Melbourne Storm. So um, we're excited and, uh, you know, it's, it's going to take, take a while, but uh, we believe it, it's definitely the way forward. Have you got a number in mind and, and what do you reckon would be a realistic percentage number of, say, players at your club in five years' time who would be Victorian-bred or based? Well, in terms of young players coming through and we, we get back to the old under-20s, I, I thought our 2017 Premiership team is as good a team, if not the best team that we've had in our club's history. And and, and the team that took the field that day, the 17 players, I think 14 of those players came to the club before they were age of 19. Um, so if we, if we ever got to those, those uh, would would be really pleased. But um, you know, the sewer far longer last year became the fifth Melbourne Storm local product to play in the Storm. And whilst that was an exciting time, if you, if you look at those figures, five and twenty-five years is not good enough. So we've really set ourselves a target to double that in the next five years. So um, you know, we and, and we believe we can. We believe that you know we put the time in, into the local players here. The game's definitely growing over the years. Uh, numbers are good. We've just got to improve the quality through good coaching and, most importantly, good opportunities. And obviously, mate, down there, you, you have to, first and foremost, essentially stop 
um, young footballers from wanting to go down the AFL road. So what, what's the selling point? Especially when you're coming in, if you're looking at families who don't grow up playing rugby league or don't have an interest in rugby league, is there a, you know, do you take a, a flyer out there? Is there a particular selling point that you use to try and get youngsters into the game in Victoria? Well, it's twofold, Matt. I think one thing about Melbourne, and um, there's a strong Polynesian base here in Melbourne that, that have moved um, from, from every areas, and, and now the, the young young boys and, and girls, because the game's growing, uh, are being born in Melbourne, so coming from a Polynesian background, and obviously Polynesians are more suited to the rugby case, that being rugby league or rugby union, and they're probably less inclined to play AFL because of their body shapes, and uh, and, and they come from rugby type family so I think we've got a, a good start there uh, in, in terms of the, the non-Polynesian players I, look I think it's it's given those opportunities and the coaching and um, that they can actually from a young age get in a system play for the Melbourne Storm and and, and see that there is a possible future so I think showing them a pathway is, is the best way of, of recruiting players that uh, potentially thinking about playing rugby league one of the great things about your role is you, you, you know, we can talk to you about things like pathways and then we go all the way to the very top and we can talk about the, the highest of, of level conversations that go on at the Melbourne Storm. So it's the annual question about Craig Bellamy and about what happens this year and about what happens next. Um, how far down the track are you with all of that planning? Yeah, look, it's, a, it's an annual question, but I must say Craig's very relaxed and the club's very relaxed about it as well. I, I think probably we've become... I wouldn't say immune to it, but you've, you've become accustomed to it. That you know, it's since Craig signed that contract a couple of years ago, where it was a rolling contract. We're all comfortable with it, so we've you know we've got systems in place where, uh, when Craig makes a decision either way, we'll, we'll move forward. But uh, look, he's he's enjoying the coaching as much as I've ever seen him. You can see a lot of young players coming through. He's uh, you know he's also been involved in the pathways. Got to the kids a couple of weeks ago and spoken to the coaches. So. He can see them coming through. So, look, there's no hurry from, from the uh, from the club on, on Craig. I'm sure he'll make his decision at some stage. There's certainly no deadline, as, as people may think there is. Um, but we're, we're comfortable with it. And I think when he's ready to make the decision. But I must say, he's coaching as, as well as I've seen him ever coach before. And, he, and he's enjoying it. So, it wouldn't surprise me if he won again, around again. But at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if he decided to look at the next chapter in, in his life as well. So, it could go either way. Do you have, I mean, I'm assuming, mate, but do you have plan B in place? Oh, look, there's a number of people that would, would be considered. I mean, it's, we've, we've probably said it, that we would, our preference, but not necessarily um, compulsory, that we would, would go for a, either a current Melbourne Storm coach in the system or a former person that's been involved in the club. That would probably be our preference. And there are a number of those people without naming any names. So I think that would, would be our first port of call is to look at our current assistant coaches, uh, all people that have, have been at our club over the last five or so years or even 10 years that understand the club, understand the, the history of the club and, and how what the club's all about. Uh, that would probably be how we'd start the, the proceedings if, if and, and once uh, we need to look for a new coach. So trials get underway next Thursday for you. You've got the Bulldogs at Belmore, and that'll be followed by a match against the Knights in Fiji. So that'll that'll set some history as well, taking a pre-season match over to Fiji. That's on the 24th of February. So how is the squad? Give us an insight into um, the playing group, the ins and outs, and, and how the boys have come back for 2024. Matty, I think we'd be like any of the other 16 clubs if you rang around and said it has pre-season. Everyone's firing and... Everyone's in great shape, and 
uh, really looking forward to a big year. And we're no different. It's been an, an, another great pre-season. I mean, a tough pre-season, I must say. But again, I think you get the same response if you wrangle any of the 16 clubs. But now the boys are training well. Uh, there's no doubt about that. They're ready to play. I think like all players at all clubs, once you come to the end of January, where that's the heavy month, uh, they're ready to play. And now players are no different. Uh, uh, but you know, I think Cameron Munster's probably been a player that you know I like to pay credit to. He's come back in fantastic condition, and you know I've never seen him in such good condition as, as right now. Uh, you know, Ryan Pappenhausen's a player everyone asks about, and again, Ryan is mm. uh, you know training really well, and we expect him to play in that first trial next week against the Bulldogs at Belmore, um, which will be exciting for, for us and for him more importantly. Uh, but yeah, there's, there's a number of other players that are training really well. Well, well, some of those players will play next week against the Bulldogs and. But they'll all definitely play against Fiji um, in two weeks' time. In, uh, sorry, against Newcastle and Fiji. It's it's a game we're really excited about, Matt. It's it came through our sponsorship with Fiji Airways, and yeah, there's never been an NRL game played over there, and, and we're looking forward to it. Absolutely. Was there a temptation with Ryan? It's great to hear that that he's ready to rumble. Was there a temptation to to try and hold him back? I guess from from these trials, or is is he? Is he knocking on your door to say, I've got to get I've got to get back into it? Yeah, Craig actually wanted to hold him for the Fiji trial against the Knights, but it was actually Paps that uh, went to Craig and said, I, I want to play in that first game. I think he's he's ready. Um, the medical staff are really pleased. They've got no, no issue whatsoever, same as the performance staff. So, uh, yeah, and it's definitely been driven by Paps, but, uh, we, you know, with our full backing. So, yeah, we're looking forward to him taking the field next uh, Thursday night. All right, final one. Let's take off your storm cap. Let's put on your New South Wales Blues cap. It's massive for you to, to get into this arena, right? And and the reaction's been terrific. And it's and it's you know testament to what you've done in the game that a lot of people are expecting really big things from you in the New South Wales Blues camp. What are you expecting from your role under Madge and alongside Madge? Oh, well, first of all, Matt, it was a privilege just to be asked by Madge. It's something I've looked afar for. A, I've been, I've been a young player. I remember watching the first uh, Origin game way back in 1980. So to be asked and to be involved was, you know, I consider it a privilege and uh, certainly don't take the position lightly. But I, I think one of the the attractions, you know, leaving aside the, you know, the, you know the, the lure of being involved in the state of Origin is the staff that Madge has put around him. I mean, obviously, Madge himself was someone that I wanted to work with. So that was an easy sell. But, but, you know, people like John Cartwright and Matty King and, and Brett White and Paul Siren is involved and, and there's a n- number of other people that, that he's put together. So that was a big attraction. So I think uh, to be involved in a, in a, in a team away from the team, it, it was really exciting. And, and obviously working with, you know, the very best players in New South Wales, that, again, is, is going to be exciting. So, uh, yeah, I'm just probably, in a nutshell, just working part of a really good team at what excites me the most. Good on you, Frank. You're always great with your time. Appreciate it. I know you're busy, so we'll let you get on with your day. Thanks so much, and uh, good luck for the season. Thanks, Matty. Much appreciated. There he is, Frank Panisi from the Melbourne Storm and, of course, the New South Wales Blues. So good insight there into the pathways. Um, It's not something you often think about when you think about the Melbourne Storm in particular, but Ryan Pappenhausen ready to go for the first trial next Thursday against the Bulldogs. Um, I wondered whether or not they'd try to hold him back, and it seems as though Craig Bellamy was thinking about that, but player um, power has come to the fore here. He said, I'm ready to go. Why not have a crack at it? And Cameron Munster returning to training fit as for 2024 with that um, history-making preseason match in Fiji off the back of their new sponsorship. So that'll be Saturday the 24th of February 
and that'll be the Storm v the Knights. Um, so there's an update from south of the border. one 1170 is my open line number. We're talking all things sport right here on 1170 AM in Sydney. We'll be talking to Barry Tui this morning from the Newcastle Herald about uh, the signing and re-signing of Adam O'Brien as Michael Karianis broke the news, which I brought you yesterday while we were on uh, on air. It's understood that Adam O'Brien will remain at the helm of Newcastle for at least the next three seasons. So his current deal expires at the end of this year and would therefore stay at Newcastle until at least the end of 2026 under this new deal. He's coached 96 games for the Newcastle Knights, 44 wins, 50 losses and two draws and will become just the second coach in the club's history to reach 100 matches behind Mick Hagan on 154. So since 2020, Adam O'Brien finished seventh and eliminated week one of the finals in 2020. Same in 2021. In 2022, finished 14th. And then in 23, finished fifth and eliminated in week two of the finals. And of course, Kalen Ponga named Dally M Player of the Year. So, given that he wasn't contracted beyond 2024, what do you think about this one? And particular Knights fans listening in, what do you think about having Adam O'Brien locked in up until the end of at least 2026? Is it a good move to make now? Do you wait until mid-season? Do you put a number on it, as in six rounds in, which seems to be the general number thrown out there? Or do you lock in a coach right now so you can then start to build your future around it. And there's no doubt about it. Obviously, Kalen Ponga, absolutely key to all of this. So you get the feeling if Kalen didn't want Adam O'Brien to be there, Adam O'Brien wouldn't be there. Or they wouldn't rush to make a decision. Not so much rush or make a decision this early. So they've obviously gone through the list. But as we know in rugby league, there are plenty of coaches who may come up. So let me know about that one. To me, it speaks to ensuring that the playing group that you've got and also that you want to sign has some future built around it, has some foundations there that you can say to players coming in, look, this is the system and this is what we've locked ourselves into for another few years at least. And that's a good thing to players who want that security and know. Um, let me know your thoughts. Do you think that they've jumped too early or... Should they have waited a little bit more on that one? 0457736736. And South Sydney Rabbitohs star Latrell Mitchell has spoken pre-season. This on Channel 9 on his disappointing season in 23 and the, the issues around there and hopes for 2024. I just think for mentally it was definitely draining and just, yeah, just getting to a point where rugby league wasn't enjoyable and I just try and not fake being me, you know, from day to day and I just... Felt like I was doing that at times. Did you ever think maybe I need a break? Yeah, I don't know. It's just a conversation I had to have with my family and see where I was at in life and if I could potentially, you know, I guess, keep doing this or is it fun anymore and uh, can I keep putting up with, you know, people, media. <laughs> um, but it is what it is. I just couldn't, you know, go to this game knowing that, you know, that I didn't go out on my own terms. Yeah, I think it's time to grit the teeth and just have a crack now. And now, nah, look, honestly, I just want to just do my part at fullback and show everyone that I'm the best fullback in the game, and and then go from there. He's going to have to put up with people, <laughs> unless he wants to live in a bubble, and he's going to have to put up with media, unless he doesn't want to earn any money and be the face of a game that generates money 
through the media in particular. So sorry about that, Latrell, and is going to have to grit his teeth. But I watched that last night, and I've seen that interview in its entirety, and my take is your number one job, it seems, with Latrell Mitchell is make him happy. That's it. He's got to be happy. I mean, surely he shouldn't be thinking about gritting his teeth and having a crack. Of course he should be gritting his teeth and having a crack. He knows that. He's a professional athlete. Putting up with people and media, he's going to have to do that. He knows that. He's a professional athlete. But it appears that a lot hinges on Latrell Mitchell being happy, having fun. So keep him happy and you get the results. It's just the fact that some players need to be managed differently to others. The throwing away or giving away the game, having a good chat about it, I reckon you could ask that to most players and especially players that are in the spotlight. They get a little bit over it. It's a long season. And at some stage, they're probably thinking, like everyone, oh, man, you know, we hit June or July and we're like, oh, it's starting to get cold. Oh, no. <laughs> My job's driving me nuts. The bloke I sit next to is giving me the irrits, you know. So I think we can take all of that with a grain of salt. But my takeaway from that is make Latrell or keep Latrell happy. And guess what? The results are likely to come. Don't forget you can win weekly prizes and a major prize of an NRL grand final experience thanks to the brand of hot water that comes on steady, hot and strong, which is, of course, Ream. Visit nrltipping.sen.com.au. Welcome to our listeners joining us on SENQ 693. Great to have you as part of the program and welcome back on 1170am in Sydney. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy is my open line number or 0457736736 is my text number. We've been discussing a range of issues this morning. Uh, you can catch up, by the way, on a chat that I had with the Melbourne Storm's Frank Panisi a little bit earlier. For those just joining us, it's on our podcast platform and on Twitter or X, at Matty White SEN. And some of the key takeaways from the chat with Frank, Ryan Pappenhausen's ready to go in their first trial next week. Craig Bellamy was thinking about holding him back. But they'll take on the Bulldogs at Belmore Oval and Ryan Pappenhausen is ready to rumble and will play in that first one. Cameron Munster has also returned to training in 2024 fitter in the words of Frank Panisi than he's ever seen him. And also Craig Bellamy has attacked the start of the season as he always has done. They've got plan B if they get the tap on the shoulder from Craig Bellamy that this is in fact his final year. But remember, he's got that rolling contract. He can be there essentially for as long as he needs to be. So you can have your say on that. And also coming up, Joe Schmidt, the new Wallabies coach, will join me very soon. So an exclusive chat with the incoming Wallabies coach. Doesn't officially start work until the 1st of March, but a man like Joe Schmidt, who has achieved what he has done, as you can imagine, is already well and truly getting his hands dirty. Go back through what he's achieved. He's 58 years of age. I'll be speaking to him in New Zealand. Then he'll be coming out to Australia as of tomorrow. Now, he won the Heineken Cup in 2011, the year after taking over from Michael Checker at Leinster. That then parlayed into an international career where he knocked it out of the park. Two years later, he signed a three-year deal with Ireland. In 2014, 15 and 18, he led them to the Six Nations Championship and, of course, maiden wins over his native country of New Zealand. In 2018, he was named World Rugby Coach of the Year. In 2022, 
He went back to New Zealand as their assistant coach. And now in 2024, we'll take over the Wallabies until the end of the British and Irish Lions tour. So the, the sheet there on Joe Schmidt has everything in it in terms of achievements in the game of rugby. This will be an entirely different challenge. He sat there and watched the Rugby World Cup from a different perspective when he saw the Wallabies because he was taking notes, but not as the coach, as somebody who was going, okay, what happens if we play him? So now it all starts again. And we're in the hands of somebody who has, from those that I've spoken to, incredible attention to detail, incredible intensity, always speaks about accountability and incredible passion. Now, you could say that about a lot of top-class coaches that are in sport, in rugby union, or are available. But Joe Schmidt is the guy now. And what do the Wallabies look like under him? We'll find out very soon when I have a chat with him. So you can join that conversation once we've had a good chat with Joe and let me know your thoughts. The ODI last night or yesterday in Canberra threw up a couple of things. One, um, when it comes to the perfect storm of what you don't want to see, if you're Cricket Australia or World Cricket, the ICC, that's it. Unfortunately, that's it. A, a spectacle that fizzled out in just a handful of hours. And in fact, there were so many balls remaining that they could have played a full T20 straight after it. If you were in Canberra or watching that last night, Monica Oval, let me know what you thought about it. You saw some big hitting from Jake Fraser-McGurk, who is the real deal. And whilst we had a chance, he was only there for 18 balls. He only lasted five balls the other night at the SCG and hit a massive six and a four as well. But one of the things that you'll notice about Jake Fraser-McGurk, you look at, forget about the massive big air swings. Like forget about those huge swings that he puts behind the ball. You have a look at how steady he is at the crease when he's doing that. He's got ultimate confidence, the rooster. We know that. But he is a genuine genuine superstar in the making. 0457 736 736 is the text line number. Now for our Brizzy listeners joining us, a special prize for you this morning, a VIP Super Bowl 58 experience for you and a mate at Claw Barbecue and Grill. Uh, now you get a reserve table near the big screen, so front row seat, photo moment with the Coors cheerleaders, Claw Super Bowl four-hour food and Miller Coors package from 8am through to 12 p.m. So all that is on the line this morning for our best caller on 1300 01 1170. Maddie, I drove from Sydney to Canberra. was my only opportunity to see Australia play this summer, so I thought I'd go check it out. The Windies batting was comical. And while Jake Fraser-McGurk was fun to watch, his insistence on trying to hit a six every ball was odd. Not sure I'll bother with the ODIs and we'll wait for the test next year. Now, no name on that one, so um, I don't know how to reference you, but listener, <laughs> avid listener, we thank you for your thoughts on that because I wanted to know about people who were either there or went there, and unfortunately, you got that one that can happen in sport. But I also wonder if you if you got the opportunity to text back, what happened at the end there from a, from a fan's point of view? Did it just sort of fizzle out, a little presentation, and off you went? Was there anything else that, that went on around the ground? And again... I'm not pointing the finger of blame here at the players. You can only play who's in front of you. 
there's no doubt about it. They go out to win and they go out to smash us, uh, smash them. And that's exactly what they did. It's very hard to point the finger of blame at the Windies because they are where they are in the scheme of things at the moment. And they're a long way back. Cricket Australia, they've got to work within this strangulation format of a schedule that world cricket puts on them. So they can only put it where they can put it. However, and sometimes you do have to have a contingency plan. However, bang for buck, value for money, all that kind of stuff, is there a contingency plan for that when it ends after 186 balls, a day-nighter that didn't even get to the night? Now, we're used to washouts and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's all part of the game. But unfortunately, it was the perfect storm for that format of cricket against this opponent at that time. And it's not what Cricket Australia or the game, I reckon, would need. Let me know your thoughts on that. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy 1170 is my open line number. Well, as we know, the countdown is on to the start of the Super Rugby season. And we're now five months away until the start of a brand new era for the Wallabies under new coach Joe Schmidt, who I'm pleased to say has given us some time this morning and joins us on the morning program. G'day, Joe. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Matt. Um, nice to catch up. We should point out, and I say that it's five months away until the start of a new era, that's when the first match will be played against Wales. Your job actually doesn't start officially until the end of this month, the start of March, but how much are you doing behind the scenes? Well, it's, it's great. Um, we're having fairly regular meetings and, and trying to get the, the, the schedule together and um, also trying to... Um, get a staff together, I, I suppose, with a, with a coaching staff and a head of athletic performance and, and those essential positions that, that make sure that players are, are as well prepared as they can be. Where do you reckon you are on that, on that journey of building the team? Um, yeah, we're really pretty early doors. Um, there's been lots of conversations and... and on the back of that, uh, Peter Horn is is really driving the, the the process for the appointment of of those positions. So, um, between Peter and myself and and Phil War and um, a couple of others who are contributing, we're we're trying to get the the best and most cohesive group and um, and try to get a group that covers all the bases that that can be the team behind the team really. Speaking of covering all the bases, you've done that in in rugby, Joe. But as you prepare for this one, is there? I'm sure there's expectation. Um, I'm sure there's probably a few nerves around. So how are you feeling at this stage? <laughs> yeah, it's a good question, Matt. Um, I'm feeling a little bit uh, nervous because I, I think I, I get nervous about a lot of things. Uh, I, I once um, had a chat and there was a guy, Michael O'Leary, who, who put together Ryanair in, in Ireland and, and he said, um, you know, you don't need to get nervous. You've just got to be paranoid. And um, I, I don't think I'd go all the way to paranoia, but uh, trying to make sure that you've ticked everything off is really important to me because... If you don't, then there's going to be a a little bit of an opportunity for something to slip through the cracks. And so um, the opportunity to get over tomorrow to Sydney and and, um, I'm heading up to the trial um, 
the Waratahs versus Reds trial in Roma on Saturday, and that'll give me a chance to catch up with a few people as well, Darren Coleman and, and Les Kiss, who who I know well and uh, coach with in, in Ireland uh, for a couple of years and, and had some real success with. So, you know, he, he's... Um, He's, I think he's a super coach, but he's, he's also a good friend. So that, that will be a, a positive way to start things. How important is this super rugby season and the time that you'll have in between the start of the season on the 23rd of uh, this month and then when you assemble your squad together? What do you want from the super rugby players, coaches, and I guess the competition so you can handpick what you need for the Wallabies? Yeah, that's that's quite a broad question, Matt. And there's there's so many things that you want, but first and foremost, you want them to be really competitive. And uh, the more competitive they are with uh, the the other Australian sides, New Zealand sides, obviously Moana, Pacifica, and and the Fijian and Drua, then I, I think the more confidence they they bring into the camp, um, the more individual progress they can make through that. Uh, you know, there's some young guys who are being talked about currently. Um, to see them play and see them develop through the Super Rugby would be really important. And then I guess when you get toward the end of it, um, just hoping that you, you remain relatively injury-free because uh, I, I do think the, you know, the, the depth that we need um, is going to be tested at times if we start to have a number of um, injuries in the same position. And I think that's probably the same for a for a number of teams around the world, but that's something you want to avoid, ideally. On a, on a player level then, Joe, um, when I speak to people about you and, and we do our research, I reckon there's two words that come up. Um, well, three. Winner is at the top of the list, but you like accountability and there's an intensity to what you do. If I'm an existing Wallaby or a hopeful Wallaby in the next couple of years, what do you want from me? Yeah, I, I think ownership probably just for them to take ownership of 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 their own drive and motivation to be to be a bit better day to day, um, and, and for them to be collaborative, um, that the sort of player that's that's prepared to to glue, uh, be the glue between teammates, and and at the same time be really reliable so that so that people can depend upon them um, if they can try to be the best version of themselves on and off the field, uh, that, that would be a fantastic start um, because, you know, I, I think w- winning is an outcome, but but uh, those outcomes you, you often don't have a heck of a lot of control over. What what you do control is, is how you prepare yourself and, and the process that you use to best prepare yourself. And I'm sure that you've done plenty of hours in the video room. I'm sure that you've been watching back the World Cup in particular, which is an interesting one for me because while the Wallabies were going through their World Cup heartache, you you had a different mindset. But now, I guess, when you're looking at them and what they were doing there, you're looking at them through a different lens. Is that a, is that a fair assumption that now you look at them differently, that you're in charge? And, and what do you see in what the Wallabies put up? Yeah, you are dead right. Um, it is a totally different lens. You know, you're looking at it through a lens of if we meet these guys, where can we exploit them? Um, as opposed to, right, I've got to get to know these guys. Where where can we start from? Where there's some confidence in a place of of strength and and build upon. Because what we don't want to do is is 
just point out everything that didn't go right because you know there's a number of things that didn't go right obviously when when you exit when they did but um you know there's i guess there's just small things that you see in the game um that you think well we can build on that and we can build on that and and hopefully um you know that, that that starts to give us a platform that that we can continue to progress from but i guess one of the things is is that there was a lot of um, shifts and selection through the last 12 months and, and one of the real challenges for the coaching group um, selectors will be to, um, to, to get a continuity of, of personnel to get a continuity of performance. I think when you, when you are chopping and changing um, I know even with the All Blacks we made 12 changes for for the game in Dunedin and, and the Wallabies um, you know, could easily have, have taken that game when you do make a lot of changes, then um, I do think it's hard to build um, that continuity and cohesion that you need for for that really competitive performance. Mm-hmm. Just a final one before I let you go. We, we've spoken about expectations on players and what you what you're seeking, but what about the fans? You know the state of Australian rugby. We don't have to go over it. The, the fans are searching for hope and results. What's your message to the fans as the incoming coach? Yeah, just that we won't let them down with effort. And, uh, you know, as I said, there's a number of things you can't control, but but one of the things you can control is your effort, your effort to prepare really well so that we can put some some, uh, good systems in place and, and rely on each other to be where we need them to be. And then the effort to stay involved and, and to try to, um, stay in the game. Um, that I, I, I'm, I'm confident that the players will really look, be looking to deliver that. And and if we've got the support, um, you know, I just think it helps lift the players, and and it becomes a you know a, a really positive upswing for the players when when there is really positive support and and they're reciprocating that that sort of effort that supporters are. are are putting in to get along to games by, by making sure that their efforts are, are absolute once they're on the pitch. Joe, have a safe trip. Looking forward to seeing you in Australia. Thanks for your time this morning. Thanks, Matt. Joe Schmidt joining us there. What did you make of that, folks? one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. So continuity, effort, all of those messages. He's, he's spoken about the fact that he, he doesn't operate in fancy terms and phrases. They'll know that the hard work is going to hit them. Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. Let me know your thoughts. It's 21 after 10 in Sydney, 21 past 9 in Queensland. On the text, uh, this one from the Spring Farm Eagle. Matty, any chance you could find out if the Manly trial game versus South is televised this weekend? Can't find it anywhere. Uh, no. Both clubs' websites, the match won't be televised. So, unfortunately, mate, you won't be able to see that one unless somehow you can get there. Let's go to the open line. Jared is on the line. G'day, Jared. Cricket Australia and, and the scheduling is what you'd like to talk about. What are your thoughts? Yeah, hi, Matt. Look, from a business perspective, anytime something works, I think you go back to it. Anytime it doesn't, you make a review and you change. If we look at what's happened in the last couple of years, Cricket Australia's moved the Gabba test around. We've won it for 30 years when it's the first test. We then change it and we don't win it. We then look at Perth and what happened with the crowd numbers there. And then we look at bringing the Windies out for two years in a row. 
But I understand that we've got to support some of these other nations in world cricket, but do we have to do it in consecutive years at the sacrifice of our own product? I don't think it's what's in the best interest of Cricket Australia or the general public. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, mate, I agree with you. And and as you're talking there, I'm thinking, what are they trying to do? They're, they're trying to keep everyone happy. They're, they're trying to do, which is how you started this conversation, the best business practice that they can do. But I think the, the one thing that we've got to remember, Jared, is that they've also got to operate within the ICC schedule and, and all the other schedules going on around the world. And this is the hard part. I, I, mate, I would hate to be a scheduler at Cricket Australia because it's got to be the biggest he- headache since COVID. So sometimes I guess they've got to do what they've got to do. But I reckon it's, it's more a reflection of where they're at in the international schedule and plus trying to keep so many partners happy domestically. But your point around the Gabba and, and the movement around that is, is bang on. What would you like to see? What would you prefer to see? Well, I think I'd prefer to see, uh, you know, in line with Melbourne and Sydney receiving their tests as they do, that Brisbane is always the first test. Um, you know, coming up to the, when the test was this year in January, it's always torrential rain in Brisbane. And, and we saw that, I think, leading into day four, it was bucketing down. And, and thankfully, it was a day-night test. Uh, sorry, a, a night test. But yeah. I, I just, it, by building that consistency, we saw what happened when they put the first test in Perth. It just simply didn't work, and, and the crowd numbers show that. Um, I think by building up some consistency and then maybe bringing out a second team um, after a stronger team earlier in the year for the first three tests, etc., cetera, or, or five tests in a five-test series, and, and then floating you know, the other tests between, you know, Perth and Bell Reeve or, or something like that, I'm not sure. But you're right, it's hard to schedule, but Windy's two years in a row just seems a bit excessive. Um, you know, surely, you know, there's other teams touring at the moment around the Southern uh, Hemisphere. Uh, surely there was better options than Windy's two years in a row. Yeah, as you point out, you know, good business is... Continue to do what works, but things that don't work, then take a good look at them. And and like I've said this morning, you know, unfortunately, it was the perfect storm what happened at Monica Oval last night at the wrong time. You know, the, the fact that the ODI went, what, 186 balls, it was it was Keystone Cops for a while there with the Windies, and it all petered out in a real hurry at exactly the same time that we're talking about the positioning and future of ODIs and the positioning positioning and future of the West Indies at the moment. You raised some really good points, Jared. Good on you, mate. Thank you for that. Appreciate it. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. 1170 that open line number. Give us your thoughts, just like Jared. Let's go to the news. Thank you, Vanessa. Right, let's get to your texts and open up the lines. Well, they're always open. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy 1170 is the uh, open line number. Paramat says, Matty, could you ask Joe, does he own the Cobra? I, I didn't get to that one, Paramat. Sorry, about that, look, there'll be plenty of time for Joe Schmidt to face the media. And that's my first dealings with Joe. Uh, he's obviously at home in New Zealand and he's about to head on off. And um, I enjoyed speaking to him. And the proof will be in the pudding. But to, to me, there's a lot, obviously a lot of work for him to do to bring it to the position that he needs to. And he's going gung-ho at it. And then we start to see what kind of team we get. Because while Super Rugby starts um, soon, 
and we've got five months until the first Wallabies test, the fact of the matter is that rugby lives in Australia off the back of the success of the Wallabies. That's the fact. Everything else comes up from Super Rugby, but they've got to get into a winning frame of mind essentially for the Wallabies and start getting the results on the board. That's what'll hurt. That's the biggest kicker that they can do to turn it around. I saw a quote from Langie Gleeson from the New South Wales Waratahs talking about returning back into the Waratahs system. He said, before the World Cup, I didn't realise the training capacity I had. I always thought you could only train this much before you get injured. But with Eddie Jones, he really pushes you 24-7 on and off the field. So a couple of things there, and I didn't get a chance to talk about this with Joe, but that to me speaks volumes of we all thought that the whole Eddie experiment was just all smoke and mirrors, and obviously there was much more to it. But he is one young player who spent time in that system and has been pushed harder than what he thought he could go before or where he thought he could take his own body before, and that's got to be a good outcome. And the other side of that is we've got a young player in the system who thought you could only train so far and go so hard before you get injured or do so much before you get injured. So put a limiter on himself, which is a really interesting insight. And they're the kind of things I'm sure that Joe Schmidt in particular would be looking at turning around. And he'll do his homework as he goes around the country and speaks to super rugby coaches. During the World Cup, says Daniel, Joe Schmidt was taking down notes of the Wallabies' weaknesses. All he has to do is turn that piece of paper around and create their strengths out of those. Thank you for that. Rabbit in the Vineyard in Barossa Valley in South Australia. Nice to hear from South Australia, mate. Says, I'm a rusted-on South Sydney member. Latrell, actions speak louder than words. You are in a privileged position. I'm currently looking for work, and it's not fun. So off the back of Latrell's interview... Uh, last night on nine, which I played you a little bit of earlier, and I can play more if you, if you'd like to hear it. But my takeaway was um, keep Latrell happy, and you'll get yourself a good player. Kind of it in a nutshell. Of course, he's got to be fit. Of course, he's going to have to put up with that. He sp- speaks about gritting his teeth and hooking in and uh, put up with people. All that stuff's just by the by for me. It doesn't change anything. Um, but he's the kind of player that needs to be kept happy. Matty, it's a bit disappointing that last year they showed all the trials and this year there's not very much. So pre-season cup is no more. Well, Kayon and Fox are still showing all pre-season challenge games, which start next Thursday. We spoke about this last year, do you remember? It's like everything just hit fast forward. You know, all the best commentators are Fox calling all, the big, all of these games. There's nothing about just leaning in to a season anymore. It'll go gangbusters. We're on a winner with Joe Schmidt, says Tony. A Kiwi with Irish citizenship now coaching in Australia and his accent sounds South African. Straight out of a Wilbur Smith novel. Confidence is high with him. Great chat. Thank you for that, Tony. Right, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. That's my open line number. We'll take a break. Come back. Tommy will join us. Brett on the text line says, Morning, Matt. I didn't hear where Tommy was off to for his new gig, but maybe he should be considering the RBA and mention the Roosters so interest rates would reduce every time he mentioned them. Well, Tommy, with his coins on the table for the second last time ever. Well, probably a little bit more because we'll, we'll do it a couple of times, but second last day working here. We'll, 
Look, we'll fill in the punters as to where you're headed. We'll do that tomorrow. Yep, I agree. Let's let's do that tomorrow. Um, we can play that game. But uh, RBA, are you headed to the Reserve Bank? Uh, Australia no. Is, no, no. Okay, no. we can knock that one out. Not, it's good, been with, a process. not good with numbers. Been a process of elimination. <laughs> Don't tell me that now, mate. We operate in a clock that runs to the nth degree. You have to get or everyone. financial numbers. Okay, thank yeah. goodness. Yeah. Okay. Um, cricket Australia, and not not so much Cricket Australia, because I don't know if I can really, or you can really point the finger of blame here, because these things happen sometimes in sport. But it seems to me now, if you're going to schedule a one-day international game against the West Indies at the moment, you might want to think about something else that's going on. Yeah, I mean, it, it is tough. I mean, you look at that first ODI that played at the MCG last Friday night. That was pretty competitive. Again, who was it? John from Harrington Park raised the idea we should we should bat first, Australia to get a total up so that the the um, it goes on for longer. But then we batted second on Friday night and it and it went for a bit long. Um, again, I th- I just think it's luck of the draw sometimes with these games. Sometimes the West Indies yeah. stand up and sometimes they don't. And you spoke about it with Adam White yesterday, like through the Test series and through the ODI matches, there are certain moments where the West Indies want to stand up for about you know ten to fifteen overs and they play really good cricket. It, um, if it's with the bat or the ball, and then they fade away. And so I think they started okay yesterday, and then they lost nine for 48, I think, and they just fell on a heap. But I agree with your point about they should have some contingency um, plans in place. Whether, I mean, whether or not you could play a T20 event, T20 match after, I know it may not be ICC sanctioned, and there's probably all these rules and regulations that we don't that we don't know about, or you know, just do the the six hit extravaganza that you were talking about off the top of the show, there <laughs> should be something that they have in plan about if this does happen. Well, why don't we throw that out there? Let, let's throw it out there because this is in, you know, we're not jumping up and down here. This, no, <laughs> we're not. Imagine if, imagine if you're an Australian player and you go, mate, what more do you want? I've just put it, we just nailed them. Mm-hmm. We just killed them. It's awesome. And that's exactly, the, that's, that's right. But why don't we throw it out there? Because if you're agile on your feet, if you know, if you're thinking, okay, this crowd's gone now, and there should be a whole stack of stuff still to come for them, what about? Let's have a think. The first thing that came to mind for me was I went into all stars mode, like with basketball, right? Three mm-hmm. point shootout, all that kind of stuff. Perhaps you have a six hit out going on there. Mm-hmm. Send some players out. Imagine if some players said, "Hey, boys, why don't we run out and let's put on a bit of a show or something like that." There's a lot to fall into it. So why don't we throw it out there? And it's and it's it's quirky, it's tongue-in-cheek, but what else could you do to keep the fans engaged? Let us know that one. Latrell Mitchell's comments, Tommy? Um, yeah, I know some people have kind of been picking at it, Matty, um, over la- you know, since last night. I know Missile and Michael Cariana spoke about it at length this morning on Brecky, and you gave your, your two cents on it. I know people can say, you know, there was one comment in particular that Missile and Cariana spoke about, about how he's gritting his teeth and he wants to get back into it. I kind of look at it in a more positive light. And I know some people get a bit sick and tired when Latrell Mitchell speak, but it kind of just seems to me that and I, he just seems really refreshed and ready to go for 2024. And maybe I might be too optimistic here, but I think let, let do not underestimate the influence that Jack Wyden and his arrival would yeah. have at this club. Michelle yep. Bishop has spoken about this at length because she's grown um, to be quite close with Jack when she was reporting on the Canberra Raiders in Canberra. He is such, such a close friend with Latrell Mitchell and Cody Walker. And I think what he's been able to bring for Latrell off the field is massive. 
And I'm going to put a smoky in there, Matty. Uh, what I'll also do tomorrow in my last show, I'll give you my 2024 NRL predictions before I go. But I'm, I want to give you a little tease here. I think Latrell Mitchell is absolutely primed for a massive, massive 24, and he is my Dalian medalist pick for this season. Okay. I know, okay. I know his fitness is always a bit of a worry, but I just think that since he had an injury interrupted 2023, he was kind of a big reason why South Sydney didn't play in the finals. Remember, he got suspended for that last regular season match where they needed to beat the Roosters. He got suspended for striking, I believe, Tyson Frizzell the week before. I think the lengthy offseason that he was allowed to have Reset his mind, go back to Tari. Having Jack White in there, such a great friend of his alongside him. And this kind of, and they put faith in Jason Dimitro. They've re-signed him until, I think, end of 2027. I think it's just got Latron Mitchell, and it may be the optimist, the optimist in me, but I think he is primed for a massive season. He is my pick for this year's Dalian medal. All right. Who's your pick, folks? Let's do it. We're less than a month away from the official start of the NRL season. Uh, Tongue-in-cheek, says Andrew, they should have put some NRL on last night when the cricket finished so oh, wouldn't well. That, wouldn't that be great, Matty? Maybe a no-limit boxing fight. Your favourite. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. You'd have to pay for it. Hey, yes. um, one more thing. So just, and we're going to have Barry too on. You're going to speak to him um, next hour from the Newcastle Herald. He's great on all this. But just Adam O'Brien. If I could just play devil's advocate for for a, um, for a, a quiet moment, so three, he's been there since 2020. He's only he's failed to make the finals only once, and that was 2022 when they believe they came 14th. Mm. He had a really really good season last year, um, and I think it you know it kind of the season catapulted when he just bit the bullet and moved Kalen Ponga back to fullback, and we saw the amazing run he went on to win the Dalian Medal. I agree with your point in the sense that. O'Brien's probably not getting re-signed there unless there's a big push from the players led by Kalen Ponga and some of the leadership group there like Tyson Brazil, Jaden Braley, the Saifidi brothers. But also, just to play devil's advocate again, did they need to rush into the decision before a ball was kicked off this year? And I only say that because this was the final year on his contract, so they didn't need to rush. And I'll, I'll bring up a point that Jimmy Smith always bangs on about is where was the... What was the market for Adam O'Brien? Like, did they need to rush into it? Was there any other club looking at his services for 2025 and beyond? So I'll, I'll just throw throw that back. I know you lean into the category of, no, it's good. They've got stability there going forward. We know he's going to be their coach for at least the next four years. But just a devil's advocate for me, I don't think they needed to rush into it. I think they could have waited and just see how the – season panned out because maybe in a year's time you may be paying out two and a half years on Adam O'Brien's contract. Possibly. That's, that's just from me. Possibly. So there's always two sides to look at it and two ways to look at it. And and that's that view. Uh, Tiger fully says, sorry, boys, but lazy footballers don't win Dally M's. Um, 0457736736. Uh, by the way, it was Cuzzy who said, uh, get on the Chiefs. 2024 in Super Rugby. Um, revenge, especially from last season. Nice work, Tommy. Let's take a break. Uh, continue with your calls and thoughts right after this. Let's hook in to this hour of the program with your calls. Barry Tui from the Newcastle Herald will be my guest in this final hour of the program. And so too, of course, Angus Glover from the Sydney Kings. But the Big G's giving us a call. Uh, morning, Big G. I heard from you yesterday on the text. Nice of you to pick up the phone. And uh, we're talking supercars, so the Erebus Brody Kostecki situation. So give me your take. You got any questions? I'll see if I can fill you in, mate. 
what's going on? <laughs> yeah, Matty, how are you? <laughs> but, mate, I... First of all, I mean, you got a text message earlier on, and that's what prompted me to te- uh, make the call today. I mean, hmm. somebody saying about Shane Meg Gisberger having a trouble with the team, I think that's a bit unfair on Erebus. Um, I think that was more on Shane's behalf, and, I mean, I think there might have been somebody pulling the strings in the in the background in that one, um, mainly with the initials RD. So I mean, that's not confirmed, but that's my suspicion on it. Um, mate, but what a mess. I mean, I've been following yeah. this sport for 40 years now, and, I mean, I, I can't recall anything of, of it. And I mean, I do apologise. I mean, with my roster, I don't get to listen to you guys. I, I'm a week about. I'm in the car now on my way up to up to work. I'm in my five-hour drive and going away for a week. And um, yeah. But, yeah, it's just... Yeah, so, I mean, I, I was more about the fact that nobody mentioned... I mean, Coca-Cola walking away... That was that's where I was coming from in yesterday's text. I mean that yeah. they announced that the day before. I mean that's to me. I mean I mean for me it's rugby league and motorsport and then everything falls in underneath. But that's a big story. If you've got a brand like Coca Cola walking away from the sport, that's that's massive. I know Coke don't do a great deal of sponsorship in Australia when it comes to sport, but that's just something massive. I know, and the mess that yeah. they're in. I mean, look, I I'll, 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 I'll give us. Um, Mate, let's give us a, a bit of a quick summary here for our listeners who aren't across this one. So the situation with supercars at the moment is this, and it's unfolded in the last couple of weeks. Brody Kostecki is the defending champion. He drives for Erebus Motorsport, which is owned by Betty Clemenko, and the team CEO is Barry Ryan. Brody has a contract to drive at Erebus Motorsport this year, and as the defending champ, of course, will have the number one on his door. But he will not be driving this year. They've given the the first round drive to Todd Hazelwood because there's been a fallout. Now, what I said to you, what I said this morning, and Big G, I, I know that you didn't get a chance to listen into everything, but it's it's really clear what's happened here because there's been a lot of sort of misinformation and jumping at shadows along the way, and supercars are trying to manage it. What's happened is there's been a massive fallout between Brody Kostecki, the driver, and Barry Ryan, the CEO. There's been a huge fallout. Now, this has happened before at this team, and it happens in other teams as well. But what the reality is, is that we now have a situation where the defending champion in supercars is not on the grid for the first round and more than likely not on the grid for the rest of the season because of a huge falling out with the team and team management. They can't resolve it. It won't be resolved. And all of the statements that have been put out trying to massage this situation have probably made it even murkier. So you're right. Their sponsor's going away. Shane Van Gisbergen, he brought, he brought himself into this argument by posting stuff on social media. Scotty McLaughlin's had a swipe as well. But for me, mate, the biggest part of this story is a sport that now has its previous two defending champions or previous two champions in Van Gisbergen and McLaughlin both out of the category and overseas has its defending champ now not driving because of a spat with the team. And it's as simple as that. Now they're in this situation where what, what can supercars do to try and resolve this? It's an extraordinary, extraordinary situation. But I'll tell you one thing, Big G. He's not going back to Erebus. Unless something drastically changes, he ain't going to be driving for Erebus this year. And perhaps supercars, whilst I feel for them in this regard... 
perhaps supercars need to get really strong on this one and somehow they've been working away at it, but somehow find a way to get their champion back into the sport in 2024. That's kind of it in a nutshell, mate. Yeah, no, I agree with that one, Matty. I mean, I mean, if you think about it, we haven't got any reigning champions. We've lost the last four. I mean, one retired, and as you said, the other two are gone, and then we've had this mess. Um, yeah, I just, yeah, I think supercars need to get on get on board with this one. I mean, I, I thought it was a little bit wishy washy when I read um, Shane Howard's letter, open letter yesterday. I mean, this should be a big part of the season. I mean, all the other teams are starting to un. Uh, reveal their liveries and all that sort of stuff. I mean, saw Mark Winterbottom this morning. That car looks, that look, that car looks hot. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's just uh, the whole sport seems to be in a bit of a mess at the moment with everything that's going on. I mean, it's not just this; it's also the calendars and how late mm. they've released the calendars and all that sort of stuff. It's just, it's a shame that it's in this, in this state. You know, I mean, it's, a few years ago we were talking about it being, you know, maybe fourth or fifth on the list in in terms of popularity but it seems to be, I got to that level where we could take other sports on and it's just itself in the foot really. Yep, yeah I said that yesterday mate. Unfortunately motorsport is up there in the world championship leaders when it comes to shooting itself in the foot and I also said this and I'm not here to slam down supercars on this one because I'll tell you why. It's a, it's a team issue. That's what it is and the team should be sorting this out but it becomes a supercars issue because one of the things you need to survive in the professional sporting landscape is star power. And if he's their biggest star at the moment, he's their defending champion, and he ain't driving, they're going to have to work that out because they're losing a key ingredient of what makes you successful in a very competitive sporting landscape. Good on you, Big G. I'll watch that one, mate. I'll keep digging. I've been speaking to a lot of people to try and get to the bottom of it, but essentially it is what it is. They're having a blue, and that's what's, that's what's been happening. And at the moment, Brody doesn't want to drive there, and he won't drive there. So now it's up to the team to work that out, and it's up to supercars to try and work out how on earth they get their champion back into it. I'll finish by saying this. Can you imagine if, let's say, Nathan Cleary. Can you imagine if Nathan Cleary was having a blue and just didn't want to go back to footy? Do you reckon the NRL would stand by and just let that happen? They'd take everything into account, but they would go hell for leather to to make sure that one of their biggest stars is playing footy this season. And that's now the situation that supercars hierarchy is going to have to find themselves in. Not through any doing of their own, through the doing of the team itself. But they're going to have to step in and make sure that he's there. Let's go to Newcastle. Barry Tui's on the line as we talk about what's been going on uh, up at the Knights and what's possibly going on. Barry, good morning to you. Maddie, how are you going? Good, mate. Just juggling left, right and centre. You know, you know what it's like. I, I want to know, know where we're at with the Adam O'Brien stuff. So I was on here yesterday and then Michael Karianis' report dropped that there's a new deal there until the end of 2026. Have they made anything official? Is this exactly what you're hearing as well? Yeah, it's going to happen, Matt. He hasn't signed anything yet. Um, but basically, I think he's agreed to terms. They've got to, obviously, there's probably... A, some bits and pieces that they've got to sort out, but uh, I don't think there's any doubt that um, 
O'Brien will be the coach until the end of 26, at least. Maybe even an option for 27. I'm not sure where they're at with that, but um, certainly uh, this year, which was the last year of his existing contract, and the next two for for certain. So uh, he'll become the highest or the longest-serving coach in the Knights' history if he can uh, stick around till the end of end of 26. Uh, I think he's what is he 96 games at the moment. Michael Hagan. Uh, Premiership winning coach holds the record, 155-154 games. And Mal Reilly, the other Premiership winning coach, 98 games. So O'Brien's in some elite company as far as that goes. And, and uh, yeah, as I say, he'll overtake Hagen if he sticks around till the end of 26. So had his best year performance-wise or finish-wise last year, finished fifth, they made it to week two of the finals. And, of course, Kalen Ponga went on that incredible tear. So let's try and break it apart, Barry. They could have waited essentially till midway through the season. They could have put a number on him, for instance. Let's get six rounds done and see where we're at. Or they can go in early, and they've chosen to go the early route. Is there any reason why? I think it was just the way that the team finished and the way that town responded to the team finishing like they did last season, Matty. I mean, the 10-game winning streak up, up until that point, there was all sorts of rumours swirling around that um, O'Brien wouldn't see out the season. Um, I think they went into a game, uh, I'm not sure what round it was, but it was against the Bulldogs mid-season in June, I think it was, and, and uh, the Knights were in 14th position and there was all sorts of speculation around that O'Brien wouldn't see out the season. He may have even been sacked if they'd have got beaten by the Bulldogs. Well, uh, I'm not sure that would have been the case, but there was certainly some, uh, you know, plenty of speculation and, and a fair bit of it was pretty accurate that they were, you know, looking looking at other potential coaches at that point of, of time. But then, obviously, they beat the Bulldogs by 60 that day and then went on a 10-game winning streak and, as you said, um, took out Canberra in the first, first semi-final uh, game in front of a full house three in a row, full houses in Newcastle. So, look, I can understand why they've done what they've done. I mean, O'Brien essentially has been at the club for four years now and he's made the semis three times. Uh, He had that one bad year, um, what, in 2022. Um, Mm. But he's done a good job and obviously has the players on side. The club's confident that he's got the players on side and... um, you know, they can see a way forward with him and, and uh, good luck to him because he's one of the... Well, they're all hard-working, but he's, there's no one that works harder in the, in the game as a coach than Adam O'Brien. And as you well know, in the Newcastle and Hunter region, you have to get, you have to get the entire town. You have to get the city on side as well. And, and has Adam O'Brien done that um, with the team that he's got, with the, the, the punches that he's copped along the way and with the performances that he's put in? Has he got... The backing of Newcastle. Well, I'll throw throw some stats at you, Matty. Um, yeah. The Knights current, currently at the moment still three or four weeks away, three weeks, two weeks, whatever it is, away from the start of the comp. Uh, Twenty, uh, just over twenty four thousand members, uh, which is two and a half thousand more than the record for the history of the club. So it's um, it's five thousand more members than they had last year. Um, and this is all off the back of what happened at the end of last season. As I mentioned, those three sellout games at the back end of, of last year at, uh, in Newcastle. So you talk about um, interest, uh, expectation. It's massive up here at the moment. Um, they've had a great uh, off-season. There's prob- no one at the club's 
um, carrying any injuries. Uh, they'll basically they'll start the season with with a full squad. They've picked up a couple of young pommies in in Kai Pierce, Paul, and Will Price. Obviously, Jack Coggers signed from Penrith. Um, on the downside, they've lost um, their Dom Young, the winger that scored broke the record for the most number of tries last year. But uh, they believe they may not be able to cover him completely. But um, they've got some some players that uh, they'll bring in there. So uh, from a squad point of view, I think there's a lot of um, optimism about where, where Newcastle can go. Obviously, it's going to hinge on the fitness of their key players, Kalen Ponga. But the other thing with O'Brien, Matty, is that you know halfway through last season, there were suggestions the Knights were in salary cap problems and they you know wouldn't be able to retain their their key players that were coming off contract. Well, they've, they've re-signed... Um, Jacob Safidi, uh, Bradman Best has told his teammates that he's staying for another three years. Uh, they've re-signed Phoenix Crosland, who was a standout hooker last year. They get um, Jaden Braley back, who missed uh, the entire season, basically, bar from a couple of games early on. Um, they get him back fit and healthy, hopefully. Um, as I say, a lot of expectation, mm. a lot of uh, optimism, and um, it's reflected in those membership numbers and the fact that Newcastle believe that they'll sell out, you know, a handful of games, just com- competition games um, this season, such as the uh, expectation and the, you know, the optimism among the fan base. Yeah, it's. A, I mean, you've been around footy long enough, mate, but it's it still blows you away, doesn't it? Just one turnaround game, and you mentioned it there, round 18 it was, it was July... They blow the Bulldogs off the park 66-0. They had the bye the next week, so they, they rolled that into a guaranteed two points and then off they went on that march. And it's amazing how, how you know, the sliding doors moment, that could have been completely different. We might have been sitting here talking about a new coach in charge. Just just one name that you mentioned, Jack Cogger. So three doesn't go into two. So Jackson Hastings, Tyson Gamble, Jack Cogger. Who are you expecting to be the starting halves? Oh, look, Jackson Hastings coming off a pretty significant um, surgery um, he's been training I think he's, he's back to basically virtually full fitness running with the team so I think he'll be fit to start the season I'll be surprised if look it's going to hinge on trials too to a certain extent but I'll be surprised if um, Adam O'Brien doesn't start the season with Hastings and Gamble to be honest um, but certainly Cog has been outstanding I've seen a couple of the training sessions and he's been very very impressive so he's going to put some pressure on and um, that's the sort of pressure that players like Hastings and Gamble didn't have last season because there wasn't really anyone else that was going to tip them out if um, if they were fit. So, yeah, Cogger's going to have them under pressure and uh, hopefully it brings out the best in all three of them. That's what, what it's all about. And that's what Newcastle hasn't had in the past, Matty. They haven't had that um, depth. And they've got it in the forwards too. With you know, There'll be a couple of forwards that probably played most of last season uh, that'll miss out as well. Um, so they've got a little bit of more depth than what they've had in the past with a couple of young blokes coming through. Um, yeah, so it, it looks good. I'm, I'm not sure. The coach will have some uh, some headaches selection-wise before the first game if everyone's fit after the trials. Yeah, good on you, mate. How's the weather in Newey today? Beautiful, beautiful and wet, um, <laughs> which is wonderful because we've had, obviously, the same as you guys down there, we've had those... Uh, 40 degree days in the last few few uh, well the last last week so uh, a bit of rain's been lovely. Excellent, enjoy. Thanks, Barry. Always always grateful of your time. Thanks, Matty. Barry Tui there. Um,
Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a lot involved in that, isn't it? But just just think of those numbers: twenty four thousand members, five thousand up on last year, and it could have gone so completely differently, perhaps the other way, until they get to round eighteen at a core stadium, sixty six nil against the Bulldogs. They scored eleven tries that day, and then that just turned into a winning run that led to everything at the back end of the season. They beat the West Tigers next. Then they knocked over the Storm. Then they took care of the Raiders. Then a tight one against the Dolphins. Then the Doggies again. They put another 40 points on them. Then the Rabbitohs. Then the Sharks. The Dragons. Raiders. And then they eventually uh, lost in week two of the finals to the Warriors. So it was quite a run for the Newcastle Knights and that just one of the reasons why Adam O'Brien has been or will be re-signing and extending that deal. Matty, your Nathan cleary Brody analogy suggests that the team is at fault. He is saying that, look, we don't know who's at fault, but I know that there's a blue within the team. What I was saying was you take out the biggest star or one of the biggest stars that you've got in another sport and watch head office swing into action to try and make sure that that bigger star stays there. It's not their problem, but it's something that they have to fix. Now, supercars are on that, and they've been trying to do that. And Shane Howard, the CEO of supercars, has written an open letter pretty much addressing all of that. But the fact remains at this stage, the defending champ won't be in a car at the start of the season, if not the entire season, which is just ridiculous. Just ridiculous. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy is the open line number. Yeah, sorry, Bulldog Bob. Uh, he sent me a text saying, Matt, thanks for bringing up last year's Dogs v. Knights games. <laughs> really appreciate it. Not my depression has returned. As always this year, Bob, just put last year behind you. Um, but it was certainly a turning point. Here's one from Damo. said, New Zealand played England in Hamilton early 2000s. I don't remember this one, but he said, the test match finished early and the teams decided on an impromptu T20 game. This was in the infancy of the format, but obviously that's there and has been done before. So could have been done last night. Um, perhaps they had a, an early flight. I, I don't know, but it, the onus doesn't rest on the players here. Weirdly enough, the onus doesn't rest on Cricket Australia because you don't know how long a game's going to go, do you? But perhaps we might have to start having a few little contingencies Maybe there might need to be a little department there in CA that says not only are we a chance of having an ODI go nowhere near the distance, um, especially when you know your opposition, not that we knew that that was going to come last night, but you know what I'm saying, like perhaps we should, we have contingencies for rain, we have all of that kind of stuff, but what about when the thing's over and done with in 186 balls, which is 54 balls less than a complete T20 match. Well spotted, Matty, on the Rugby Australia website. It's always been tough to see fixtures, which I've always found odd. If they need a website manager, I'm putting my hand up. Look, it's just one thing. It's actually not on the Wales, the Welsh Rugby Union website either. Just that match. I was actually just trying to make sure that I got the date right of the Wallabies v Wales test match. But if you go on the Rugby Australia website, it ain't there at the moment. I don't know if there's something official that they need to do, but it's just not there. 
Matty, maybe Brody Kostecki should hire Mark Webber to help him find the solution to change teams like he did for Oscar Piastri, says Junior Smithy. Well, Brody will have no shortage of suitors. There ain't no question about that. But the grid's locked in for 2024. And that's the thing. He would also have to be let go of his contract. So whilst it's one thing for him to say that I'm not driving here, the other thing is that the team would be expecting him to drive because their responsibility is to provide a car for him, which they've done, and he has a contract to drive for them, which I understand is still, as they say, on foot, as in it's still active. But there's a Mexican standoff going here. Matty, if I was V8 Supercars, I'd be throwing my money at a couple of stars in Formula 1 that are currently retiring or maybe retiring. Alonso, Vettel, Bottas, to name a few. A few, it would be amazing to be able to have them in Australia. I think Valtteri would be a chance as his partner is Australian. That's right, absolutely. But I don't think that's what Supercars needs. That, that's the, the sugar hit, Spring Farm Eagle. It's a good one every now and then. But I'd be making sure first and foremost that the bloke who won the championship, who represents the new face of Supercars, is there. That'd be step number one for me. Let's go to the news. And uh, Angus Glover from the Sydney Kings will be joining me after that. Thank you, Vanessa. Let's talk basketball on the line. Angus Glover from the Sydney Kings as the Kings get ready to take on the Hawks this Sunday at Kudos Bank Arena. So the last regular season home game. Morning, Angus. Thanks for your time. Morning. Thanks for having me. Hey, uh, a must winner, this one, against the Hawks, of course, a former Hawks player yourself, we've spoken to you when these matchups have come up, but especially at this time of the year, mate, a little bit of extra spice in it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, always. Um, so as long as I, as long as I've lived, and obviously the the history has gone back before I was born. Um, the games are always close. The rivalry is always fierce, but uh, yeah, there's probably a bit more um, on the line, to be honest, on Sunday, which is uh, great for great for the game and great for the fans and all that. But um, yeah, it's going to be a going to be a wholly contested game. Absolutely. Hey, what are you up to today? Normally when we when we have a chat with you guys, you're, you're on your way to training nice and early in the morning. Is it a day off? Have you already done practice? Uh, today's a day off. Um, so just resting the body. Um, had a couple of days of practice um, earlier in the week. So just resting the body today before we go at it, before um, getting back on court again, before LOR on Sunday. But um, yeah, just resting the body um, enjoying a couple of coffees and just uh, just relaxing. Are you a good relaxer? Are you a good one on days off? Because I know a lot of athletes may to go, it's my day off, but I can't help it. <laughs> um, yeah, to be honest, like even on the day off, I've done um, just like uh, I guess not nothing on the basketball court, but just uh, just some um, prehab prep stuff um, to keep my muscles firing and stuff like that. So yeah, it is pretty hard to stay <laughs> to stay relaxed on a day off. You want to. You're always itching at the bit to do something. So just just ticking off small things, I guess, that will help me in the long run for sure. You guys are fifth. The Hawks are fourth. And you had a tough loss last Friday night to the 36ers. So when you got back into, into training and when you got back and sat down and to try and debrief after last week, what were the points of focus there? Did you spend much time on what had happened or did you spend more time on what's about to happen? Um, to be honest, we just um, we knew what went wrong. We just couldn't put the ball in the hole. To be honest, we um, I think the first time we played Adelaide and Adelaide they spanked us on the on the offensive glass, and we um, did a much better job um, 
against Adelaide last week and we actually executed our scout um, pretty well. To keep teams in this league to 85 points, you normally expect to win games. Um, we just couldn't put the ball in the hole. You shot not not a great clip from the three-point from the three point line and um, just missed some easy layups as well. So um, we knew what, what went wrong, but um, yeah, obviously um, look at the scout, uh, look at the film, review it, um, and then obviously we know how big this weekend is. So just preparing for that um, and moving forward. At this stage of the season, Angus, does does any of your focus change about what you talk about? Because I know that you know there's a lot of process in place. Um, it, it's a lot of regularity, I guess, in place as well. But we're at the back end of the season here, right? Things are about to change. When do you start to focus on the change? Uh, to be honest, um, I guess the whole league's kind of had their mindset changed for probably the past month because of how close the, the ladder is. So um, not just us, but everything knows how important um, games are at this time of the year. So at the end of the day, we hold our own fate. If we win, if we win games, we're going to um, put ourselves in a good position to hopefully be a higher seed in the top six um, in that, um, where we can get to at least. Um, and obviously, um, if we lose, we we put our fate in other teams' hands. So we want to control our own fate. So, um, yeah, we've spoken about it. But at the end of the day, we know what we've got to do. And um, we're just going to take it, obviously, a game at a time and a day at a time. Like, just enjoy enjoy practices, enjoy all that. Um, just um, listen in to, to the scout and all that. And then just uh, go out there on Sunday and execute it. And if we execute it, I'm sure we'll walk away with a win. One of the other cool things that will happen this week is the Ring of Honour. Winner. So you've got the uh, the Hall of Fame, obviously the most distinguished award at the club. But the Ring of Honor is a cool one. It's it's got a lot of great names, um, but it encourages fans and members to vote for and recognise their favourite Sydney Kings players. Um, do do you guys speak about that? And when you think of past players in particular and a Ring of Honor winner, do you, do you have a name that you could throw at us? Yeah, I mean, uh, for me, being a fellow redhead, Tom Garth was the first, I think of the Ring of Honour winners. So, um, yeah, I'm always going to stick by Tommy. I know Renee quite well, obviously, from uh, my mum used to coach her um, before she um, took up coaching. And, and then, um, yeah, so uh, just Tommy. And at the end of the day, I think any of those guys on this year's list are, are deserving winners. It would just be interesting to see which way the, the fans vote. They're all deserving in their own right. And um, But, yeah, something we'll talk about at the end of the day, it's a, it's a legacy thing that they've all... They've all uh, done to this club so hopefully um, all the guys here are either in a Hall of Fame for the Kings or hopefully a Ring of Honor winner at some point because at the end of the day you play for you play for your legacy as well at the end of the day you want to win championships and um, if you win championships your legacy will be built as well yeah and of course Tom will be alongside Jimmy Smith uh, calling this one right here on SCM which we absolutely love so listen good luck best of uh, best of luck as you get towards this end of the season and just relax today, mate. Just, just keep back. I'm trying. Don't you worry. Don't, <laughs> don't feel the urge to do anything physical. Have a couple of coffees. Listen to us. And um, thanks, mate. I appreciate it. No worries. Thanks for having me. <laughs> the Sydney Kings v the Illawarra Hawks. So this Sunday at Kudos Bank Arena on the SEN Network, uh, Jimmy Smith, Tommy Garlop with the call from 3 o'clock for our Sydney listeners and 2 o'clock on SENQ 693 and around... Other parts of the network, thanks to Angus Glover. Andrew Abdo has um, made some moves on his NRL executive team. Michael Chamis reporting this 
that includes the push here towards the 20-team competition. So there's a restructure going on. This is all business activity um, with the executive team. And the details out of this are that staff were informed of the changes this morning. And the restructure will include the merging of two executive general manager roles, fan experience, digital and partnerships. So there's the combination of roles and communication and stakeholder relations portfolios will be changed as well. The executive general manager of media and communications, Grant Williams, was planning to move on and he will be doing so. He had a short-term contract with the sport. So there's a lot about this, about moving the pieces of around at the executive table, which will also assist with the push into Papua New Guinea as the government pushes for the licence of the 18th team to be held there. So there's a, a fair bit going on behind the scenes at the National Rugby League. Andrew Abdo moving some pieces around. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy is our open line number. Thanks to the text who says, in a podcast with Barry Tui and Adam O'Brien, O'Brien said the turnaround happened last year after losing to the Panthers with a golden point and the Knights received a standing ovation. Yeah, well pointed out. I, I didn't know that and I wasn't, uh, wasn't aware of the podcast that he'd done there. Um, but I appreciate that. Thank you very much for that text. Let's take a break. We'll come back. I'll rip through more of your texts, more on the motor racing situation with uh, Brody Kostecki and Supercars, cricket, BBL, ODI, all still on the table. I went back and had a look as to when that uh, Golden Point win was for the Newcastle Knights. It was round seven. So you've got to go all the way back. And then, of course, they, they had their dramas along the way and then turned it around all the way back down in, what was it, round 18. So a couple of turning points there and not the ones that you'd necessarily think about. But thanks for that text. Bulldog Bob says, Matty, I'm not a great motor racing fan, but if Kostecki hadn't won supercars last year, would he still be taking the same stand without as much weight to throw around? Just wondering. Something you'd have to ask Brody Kostecki. Um, but from my understanding, he does not want to be where he is at the moment, whether that's because he can say that because he's supercast champ, I don't know. I, I don't think so. I think it's a little bit deeper than that. What are the odds of the South African uh, B team chasing down the target set by New Zealand? I'll give you an update. I've been meaning to give you an update on that. Odds are super long, very, very long. So South Africa, so this is the first test, New Zealand v South Africa, Mount Monganui. And the situation is this. 511 New Zealand first innings. And that was off the back of Rashin Ravindra's 240 and Kane Williamson's 118. Then South Africa bowled out for 162. New Zealand go back in and Kane Williamson does it again with another century. Back-to-back -back centuries. They declare at four for 179. At the moment, with a target of 529, South Africa are two for 66. So Reynard Van Tonda and Zubair Hamza are at the crease, 30 and 31 not out, respectively. The wicket-takers, Tim Southey and Matt Henry so far. So there's a long, long way to go on the scoreboard and eight wickets in hand. They need another 463 runs to get to that target. So the odds, uh, I don't know what they are officially, but... You'd have to say they'd be long. 
Matty, as a long-suffering eel supporter, I can recommend that Bulldog Bob has quality ongoing care and support counselling services for 2024. We like to make sure that everyone's okay. That's right. Uh, Matt, if the Bulldogs finish outside the bottom two this year, I'll get a tattoo of the Bulldogs on my Shaminda. Full stop. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Reptile. That was random, but nonetheless, appreciated. Matty, for those worried about not seeing the Souths v Manly trial, given the squads picked, it'll most likely be a mismatch. Manly squad pretty strong, about 13 or 14 with lots of top-grade experience. Souths, on the other hand, most of them won't be in the New South Wales Cup squad when the season starts. That's from Darren, a Bunnings fan. This one says, the issue with cricket is now with the BBL. There's just way too much cricket. When we were growing up, you used to look forward to the Mercantile Mutual Cup, the Sheffield Shield, and then the test matches um, with the B&H one-day series, and that was your highlight for your summer now. BBL has killed it. Well, possibly. But the fact of the matter is now that BBL is an immovable object and the most successful format out of all of them. T20 is it. It's where it's at, and it's where it's going to continue to be. So we've spoken at length on this program about as much as we liked yesteryear, it ain't there anymore. We're not in Kansas anymore, Toto, because the way that cricket works these days is franchise leagues where the, are the cash cow. Test cricket has to have its place. And the odd one out, unfortunately, as much as I love it, the one-day series. But remember... When one day series, when the ODIs were smashing it, when we loved them, when they had their place, BBL wasn't around. We couldn't even fathom 20 over cricket. A lot of people were having a hard time getting their head around 50 over cricket. But it's flipped. Now the challenge will be how do you fit all that in? And how do you keep other formats of the game? If something's got to go, it won't be BBL. Matt, do you really think, uh, oh, that one we read earlier, would the Windies have wanted to continue playing after last night? Who knew? Who knew? Matty, there's obviously an issue with a certain person there at Erebus. They go through drivers like no other team. Anton, Davy Reynolds, couldn't wait to get out of the joint. Will Brown leaves. Now, Brody wants nothing to do with the team after winning the championship. I think you're right. Maybe Betty needs to look at who really is the problem, and I think the answer is pretty simple, says OJ. Well, the reality of that whole situation is it's team versus driver standoff. I'm disappointed that the S5000 series never took off. As you know, I love my Formula 1 and thought the Super 5000 would have been great to be watched. Also, it's going to be interesting times if Christian Horner leaves Red Bull. I don't think that's going to happen. I, I don't know where this investigation at Red Bull is going to lead, but there was an allegation of inappropriate behaviour and it appears to be around... Um, around behaviour as in temper or what, what, however you want to put it. But Christian Horner um, is going to face an investigation internally. It'll be a workplace investigation. I don't think unless something weird comes out of it that it's going to have any reaction um, to him being in charge of the team. If I was sitting at Monica Oval, I'd rather watch the Raiders training than any form of cricket, but you knew that. I would say that, Matty, <laughs> says crime scene. What else could you do? Matty, I don't get all the hype that everyone's throwing at Jake Fraser McGurk. Very exciting to watch the big hits, yes. But he had a lot of air swings and miss hits in there. 
Inglis at the other end played genuine cricket shots, except his first ball free hit, and didn't look like kick, uh, nicking off or having air swings and body blows, and there's no talk on him. Strike rates, Jake Fraser-McGurk, 227.78. Inglis, 218.75, says Matt. There's genuine hype around Jake Fraser-McGurk, and that, I don't think that's taking anything away from Josh Inglis at all. And you're right. You know, there's there's big hits, stand and deliver. But that's what he does. And that's what he can do. And there's been a clear mandate given to Jake Fraser-McGurk to go out and continue to do what you do that got you to this level at the, at, at the place. you got to remember, too, last night was dead rubber. Nothing was lying, you know, or yesterday afternoon, I should say. The series was done. They're looking for a clean sweep. Fraser-McGurk comes in. He's a, he's a player of the future. He plays a certain way. What else are you going to say to him? But go back and have a look, Matt, in particular at... And we won't know where Jake Fraser-McGurk's trajectory takes him until we have the benefit of time. But go back and have a look at the ones that he hit in particular. You have a look at how much time he gives himself at the crease. There are players that come along that deserve a bit of hype around him, and this guy's one of them. The proof, again, will be in the pudding. Thank you for that. Um, your say on 0457 736 736. As the big G points out, Anton left the team. This is back to the supercars issue with their blessing. He was at the end of his contract. You're right about that. And Rob from Blacktown, as we uh, put a bow on this supercars issue for today, the only thing that would make it worse is if Brody does Trans Am or TCR for a year before he heads overseas. I doubt that'll happen due to contracts, but geez, could you imagine the kick in the face to supercars and co? Don't think that one's going to happen, Rob. Uh, if you're staying around here, you're driving supercars full stop, not messing around in those other categories. Thanks for all of that. Uh, didn't get to all of your texts. We'll always try to do so, but one 300 is that open line number. If you'd like to pick up the phone and have a chat with Jimmy Smith, do so. He's coming up with the afternoon program. Michelle Bishop, Malcolm Conn joining Jimmy. Then the run home with the fellas later on this afternoon. Tomorrow... Tommy's last show. The Festival of 2am Tommy is on for three hours tomorrow morning. Bring your A game. Bring the biggest game you got, folks. Let's send him out a winner. A couple of uppercuts wouldn't go astray either. Let's do it tomorrow. Bye for now.